This is the Horse Radio Network. Hi, I'm Jennifer Wood. And I'm Jennifer Connor from Equestrian Businesswomen. And you're listening to Equestrian B2B, the podcast that brings together industry leaders, entrepreneurs, and equestrians for conversations about how they build and sustain a successful business. On today's show, we are talking about technology. We have two ladies that have successfully built apps and are on the forefront of developing technology to help in the equine and agricultural space. Learn about how you can put your idea into action and what steps you need to take to produce a successful app. Chelsea Dexter has been exploring the world of entrepreneurship for the last few years with a focus on agricultural technology products. Her entrepreneurship addiction started when she participated in startup competitions at Ohio State University. After graduation, she joined a startup accelerator program in the Columbus, Ohio area. She is the founder of the Rundown app, which is a racehorse management app. She is currently developing her second app called Down the Road, a livestock rideshare app, where livestock owners can find haulers within a click of a button, which should be launched beginning of 2022. She does all this while operating and maintaining a 200-acre farm her family was awarded for fighting in the Revolutionary War. Nicole Lakin is an entrepreneur, technology consultant, and lifelong equestrian. Nicole earned her MBA from Babson College in 2019 and uses her experience in business and software development to operate her own company, Barn Manager, a cloud-based platform for barn managers and owners to manage their horses, employees, clients, and businesses. Nicole also works with equine industry professionals and businesses to identify their challenges and find the best technology solutions to solve them. In addition, Nicole serves as the Director of Development for the Sport Horse Research Foundation. Hi, guys. Thanks for joining us today. We're really excited to talk to you. Every week, we kind of find people that we want to talk to, and sometimes it's based around a topic, sometimes it's based around what they do, and we are excited to talk to you guys today about the apps that you have built for the equestrian industry and about technology in the industry as a whole. First things first, maybe Nicole, you can tell us how you came up with the idea for an app and what were the first steps that you had to take in order to say, this is more than just an idea in my head. Absolutely. Thank you, first of all, for having me. I'm excited to be here. So Bard Manager was not so much a, I want to build an app moment which I think is genuinely probably the better way to end up building something is when you're not trying to build something, you're trying to solve a problem. I was a working student for many years and I really loved the sort of behind the scenes part of caring for horses and being a part of really amazing show horses careers in a way that I felt I was really good at. But I saw a lot of shortcomings happening on the backside, generally around record keeping and communication when it came to giving the horses the best possible you know, care and support. And so I was lucky enough to kind of be surrounded with people that were much smarter than me and had been doing the job much longer than I had. And around the time I graduated from college, I started playing around with just different ideas to kind of improve where I saw there being big gaps in the process. And some of my friends who were managing for big top riders were really having the same struggles I was. And I kind of said to them one night, 
if I made something that we could all use, would you guys use it? And they immediately said yes. And it really gave me the sort of confidence, I think, to go out there and explore what it could really be beyond just like making my day-to-day easier. And from there, it was a matter of like... LinkedIn and Facebook stalking anybody who had a connection to technology and drank coffee. I <laughs> I literally just like I we become professional stalkers when you're a founder. Totally. All of a sudden, the shy introvert that I am, all of a sudden I was buying coffee for a lot of people and yeah. picking their brains and just trying to learn as much as I could uh, about a world that was foreign to me, which was building and creating technology. But again, when you're focused on a problem that you understand really well, you can learn the technology piece along the way. I definitely learned the hard way some of the the challenges to building technology. But because I had always kind of stayed true to the challenge I was trying to solve, some of those things were able to work themselves out and learn the the sort of app building lessons along the way. (laughs) Yeah. And Chelsea, is your origin story similar? I have a similar kind of story as well. So mine is... I was so I was diagnosed with cancer about eight years ago. And when you're diagnosed, you become really close with your doctors because you're constantly going and to the doctor and all this stuff. And my doctor that I became really good friends with, he had a bunch of racehorses. And he's like, he came into the room once and he's like, Chelsea, one of my racehorses died. And it was just like, oh my God, like the horse girl in me is like literally heartbreaking. Where I'm like, what, why, how? And he's like, he has about 30, but he, at the time he had about 30 racehorses and he's as a doctor, as a family guy, he doesn't have time to figure out all the tracking of all his horses. And he had no idea if his horses were in training. He had no idea when the next race was, he had no mm-hmm. idea like where his bills were. And so, yeah, so my app, the rundown came from a rainy day and then like rainy days always bring some sort of flowers. And so that's yeah. the start of the rundown. And I have, I'm an appleholic, so I'm designing my second one right now. And it's a livestock rideshare app where I have had this problem. So pre-COVID, I was living downtown Columbus. I went to Ohio State. I did all that stuff. And then with COVID, I didn't want to be stuck in my like 800 square foot home. And so I'm, I have, my family has a family farm that's about 200 acres in Indiana and I'm like, all right, I'm going to move there and just hang out for the two weeks. And the two weeks turned into 18 months. I'm still there, babies. I'm still there. And uh, I don't have a trailer. I don't have a big truck because I'm a city girl. I'm a city girl where Nordstrom's calls me when they don't see me every day, like pretty much. (laughs) Um, And so with that being said, I have a lot of bizarre animals on my farm. I have Highland cattle. I have Angora goats. Anything that would literally... I found on Pinterest that made me laugh, I started collecting up. And so with Down the Road, which is my livestock rideshare app, I was stood up by six different haulers. And I'm like, were people... But were like, oh, yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there. Or they'll be like, oh, I'll be there during this really weird time of the day. And it's like, okay, I still have to be like on zoom calls. I still have to do this. Mm. Like I need a little more, like give me a time frame. Like I need something yeah. to work off of. And so being stood up for my Highland cattle to go get bread kind of started this down the road adventure. And then I start like Nicole was saying, then you start kind of getting that market validation of things. And you're like, Oh, mm. I'm not the only one. Like, and then you start like, all right, this is me now. I'm totally <laughs> going to do this. So again, it's like, I guess Nicole would kind of agree with it. It's the rainy days create flowers. In the sense yeah. of we had to have a problem and then you become obsessed with your problem and how you can make a flower from this problem. Uh, yeah, so it's completely 
similar, but yet different, I think, from Nicole as well. And when you guys are developing the app, do you also have websites that go along with this? Do you think you need to have a website? Are there some parts of it that should be website and some should be app? Can you kind of explain how you make a decision to do that? First of all, there's a a distinction between a website and a web app. So like Barn Manager, for example, we have a web app and mobile apps that talk to each other. And it it basically serves as a a place where you can log into your Barn Manager account from either a computer or a uh, mobile device or tablet. But then the website is really um, a, a marketing tool. The first thing that anybody does when they hear about something new is what? They Google it. So you always want to kind of control what they're going to find when they Google the name of your business. And having a website with strong SEO, uh, which stands for search engine optimization, and really good branding that tells the story of your company, of your business, of your app very clearly is the best way to control somebody's first interaction with whatever it is that you're trying to sell. So I say a website is uh, like a no-brainer. There's so many easy tools out there now to build great websites. And it's a really great way to make sure that number one, people are learning about your company or your business in the way that you want them to, but also utilizing tools to keep them engaged and re-engaged. So whether that's having a really good blog on your website so that people come back to read your content collecting people's emails on your website. There's just like so many things you can do with a website to help you both communicate to people, but also sort of engage them and then keep them re-engaged over time. And Chelsea, how about you? I have websites that are, Nicole was saying, it's like a marketing tool as well. We can kind of collect the information of the people that would be within this industry that they're actually really interested versus kind of getting, collecting information from people that are in my world, but they don't own livestock. That's okay. I don't, I need more. I need people that are actually within the industry that have this problem and that are in that sense. And I highly recommend like, do like doing a website, even in like, if you don't like right now, like with down the road, it's not launching until January. And so I still have, I have a website that's made to kind of collect people that are interested. And so then I can send out the emails of like, Hey guys, we're almost there. Look at us. This is where we are at this stage and kind of keep people that still keep people excited and keeping the engagement still there and also giving that kind of like personal touch. I'm still the face of all those things. Like I'm still a real person that's behind all these. And so. And when you're collecting the information, guys, is there a certain way that you protect the people whose information you're collecting? Absolutely. And I, I think like it's especially easier now because a lot of the tools designed to help you do that have built in protections. Everything from like double opt ins and unsubscribe options to the way that they actually store people's information. Barn Manager and, and other companies that I work with, I tend to use HubSpot for a lot of that. It's HubSpot is a, there are a lot of things. I use their CRM, which is customer relationship management platform. And it integrates really well with a lot of like website design platforms and all of that. And it allows you to kind of safely collect information about people and also kind of build a relationship with them digitally. So you can kind of see all the interactions that you've had, all of that information, but the, those people can also control what you can see and tell you to stop looking at them if they want to. I hundred percent. I'm exactly the same as you, Nicole, like just like <laughs> use the HubSpot and stuff like, it just makes life so much easier. Yeah. <laughs> There's other platforms that are not as 
user-friendly versus HubSpot was just like so simple for me. But mm. yeah, I'm on exactly the same page of that, which is cool. So when you're starting and saying, you get to the point where you're like, okay, this is going to be an app. This is my idea. How much of it is your creativity going into the look or is it just functionality and you give it to a developer and they come back with the idea. Maybe it's dependent yeah. on the person and and what your strengths are, but how did each of you kind of go through that look and design process? Chelsea, if you want to... Yeah. So I could, with the multiple projects I have going on. So I'm in the process of doing that right now with Down the Road. And so with Down the Road, I highly recommend for people that have sketch drawings of what you want the screen to look like in the sense of, and then collect all your branding information, like, okay, what your color scheme is. But then again, I'm also, I have a very strong ideas of what I want it to look like and what I want it to feel like. But I know other people that have just given developers like, all right, here's my idea. Let's have a baby. You pop out this baby and then give it back. And it's (laughs) like, and they're not as like involved, but that's just not in my persona. My persona is definitely like, I know every single little, like little tweak to like every single color change. And I can tell you the difference of the teal rundown color versus the teal color. That's like every, everyday teal color. It's that weird upset. You can really obsess about that. Like, (laughs) you know, it's like, I get super excited when I see the rundown blue. And I was making the comment to Connor before we got on this. I was like, my dreads are actually the same color as my app. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a walking brand. So we can, I know this is probably not going to be shown on, you won't see me playing with my dreads on here, but this is the rundown blue. I love it. But I highly recommend doing the coming up with your own idea before you go and talk to a developer. Cause yeah, it's in one, it's a lot. It and it probably home. saves you money, right? I was just if you're not going back I'm... through editing round after round, exactly. Because the UX guy is not a cheap guy to have, to continue having conversations with. So yeah, Nicole, um, how did you do? Yeah, you so for me, I am not a creative at all. <laughs> I I wish that I had the the sort of foresight that you're talking about, Chelsea. What I am is somebody who really understands the users though and process and how they were going to use the tools. As far as like sketching and mapping out, I mapped out processes and flows. I mean, till I was blue in the face over and over again. And I could tell you every button and where it needs to take you and where else it needs to take you and all of that. And that exercise, like I feel like you can't do enough of because thinking yeah. about... Uh, 100%. <laughs> yeah. Um, thinking about like how things actually work and does it make sense? Like that's what at the yeah. end of the day, a product needs to be visually appealing, oh, hands down. But yeah. if, like if a button doesn't make sense to somebody and they don't think to click on it, then it could be the prettiest button in the world. <laughs> totally. Not going to get you very far. So I, I think it is really important in general to also be able to say what you're not good at and not try and be everything because I think that's a mistake that we all, especially yes, as girl, women. Yes, <laughs> that is all I can't clap enough for this. <laughs> yeah, like we try and, and do everything and be everything for everyone. And I the, the moment where I realized that there are things that I'm not good at and that's okay and focus more on what I was good at. I felt like the communication with the creatives that I was able to work with got so much better. I really think being able to say what I didn't like 
helped me in terms of turning my vision into something visual. (laughs) I think that's so much easier for non-creative people than being able to say what they like, especially uh, people will probably be surprised by this, but the barn manager logo is the first version that was ever created of it because I gave probably like 50 different logos and very specific details about what I liked and didn't like about them to a designer. And they came up with the barn manager logo and it was exactly what I wanted, even though I didn't know what I wanted. I think that can be as useful as being a creative and being able to visualize what you want is being able to say, I don't know what I want, but I know all the things I don't want and why. That's so interesting that you and I are such different. We're like on the perfect, like polar opposites of the scale. And so I, true. That's, it's so interesting to hear that. Actually, <laughs> I downloaded an app a couple of weeks ago and it's like a kind of like a daily motivation journaling thing. I think I got it from an ad on Instagram or something and I <laughs> downloaded it <laughs> and I like went to do it. I did literally one thing on it. And I was kind of playing around on the navigation. I was like, this makes no sense to me. I don't get it. I don't understand how it works. I don't know what I'm supposed to do next. It just wasn't intuitive and I deleted it and I'm not going to use it anymore. So I think, like you said, Nicole, like knowing how it works and the user's experience is so important because there's a billion apps out there. Even in our industry, there's lots more coming every day. So it's got to be... Yes, it's got to be looking good, but it's got to work and make it easy to use for people. Because you have like, yeah. such a short amount of time that people have right. to expand to do it. And so it's like, if your onboarding experience is like pages after pages, I'm already <laughs> bored, but I'm the yes. app developer. So I, you need to have an SE. <laughs> I need to have be a short yeah. onboarding. And then let's yeah. face it, bugs. Those are the things that would ruin Nicole and I. And of course... Mm-hmm. The user's the one that always, they always find that bug. Oh. <laughs> you know, right? Where you're like, Nicole, I bet you've probably gone through your app trillions and trillions of times. You could probably go in your sleep and you're like, okay, this is, but for some reason, the user will always find that one bug where you're like, how? Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I tried to trip up this app so many times that I never got. There is no amount. So like app testing is called QA for short, but like quality yeah. assurance and there is no amount of QA that is going to result in you releasing a bug-free app ever. Users always figure out ways to break things. Even beta tests don't necessarily guarantee you that find everything. Gonna... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just wanted to add uh, on our, our just like previous conversation that really good UX designers will also try and put themselves into the user's shoes of everything from like my design team that I worked with on our like sort of version two that we have available now. They came to horse shows and barns with me and experienced. Yeah. They spent a couple days in the life to experience how these people are actually operating, what the physical limitations are on them throughout their day. And were able to like get much more of a sense of who they were designing for and not just take my word for it. So yeah. Or or where you create your profile, like user, where you create your, Nicole, our users are completely different, even though that we're right. saying, we're, we're in the horse umbrella. It's just, I, we have a different clientele, I guess you can say. Yeah, and absolutely. So, yeah. And so like I had all of my like beta testers being my clientele. Cause I'm like, I need to make sure that my app was extremely easy to use, mm-hmm. extremely mindless that you could be able to go through. Cause these people that I'm 
recruiting for to use the download, they don't have time. They don't have time mm-hmm. to learn this new thing. They don't have time to like figure out what does this button do versus this button. So it's mm-hmm. that. There's not enough testing you can do in the world though. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I feel like in in the agriculture industry as a whole, we're focusing on the animals so much that we want the app to be easy because we don't want to take time away from the animals. Exactly. Because the horse should, the animal should be the center of everything. The, the, leave it, the living being that's, yeah, it's the center of the universe and I guess yeah. both of our, and all of our worlds. Yeah. Do you have a preference though over like what you think is going to be a good user experience? Is it the visual, the ease of use? What would you, where would you start out looking to put into your app or making your app so that it attracts people, it makes them come back, all those kind of things. Is there a priority list to do it or is it just kind of organically comes together? Oh, <laughs> I, oh you got a good one, Connor. Okay. Um, <laughs> I am, as we've, I'm more the creative type versus the functional type of that. So I always do user experience is my, the simpleness of it, the simpleness of the function of it. That's how I, I think of it like that. And then I don't know, Nicole, how would you answer this? <laughs> yeah, I, I think I agree with you. User experience is always going to be priority number one. You can always go in and redesign the front end and make things look mm. prettier. That's yeah. easy. But form follows function. And if like having a button in the right place is important, but what color the button is less important. Like yeah. it, if you, if the user has a good initial experience, just interacting with something and like they, they want to get from A to B and they can do that really quickly and easily, that's going to make them come back a second time. And that's what gives you the time then to refine the look. And if you look at any, if you go back and look at the original designs and mockups for like Facebook, like it was an ugly website. I'm not saying it's pretty now and it's got lots of issues, <laughs> but getting people hooked to the purpose of it is far more important, I think, to the design of it and getting them liking the process and, and the use of it is going to get them to come back and give you that chance to improve the design piece. Mm-hmm. And you want to design the car. If you design the car, you don't design the heat and seats in the car, that kind of stuff. So you think of it as the big picture versus just these fixated little project, little products, but... So there's like a really good analogy for also like agile design work, which is like the process, the the popular process of app development now is like you build one piece at a time. You start with like the most important thing and then you slowly add on to it. There's a really great analogy that like everybody comes and they say, I want to build a Ferrari that's going to drive me up the coast, get me from here to here. And then you say, why do you want a Ferrari? What is it that, what is it that you need? And you get down to like the basic point that they need some wheels that are going to get them there faster than their feet. So if you give them a skateboard, that's going to get them there a little bit faster. And at least they can use the skateboard right away. And then they say, my balance isn't so great on the skateboard. And then you put handles on the skateboard. You put like a, it turns into a scooter and so on and so forth. And you keep adding it to make the process a little bit easier so that they're not waiting six to eight months for you to build them a Ferrari and paying, you know, three times what they had initially intended to spend. Um, <laughs> right out the door, they have a skateboard that they can get off and running with. And then they realize through the process that actually they don't really need the Ferrari and it doesn't have to be yellow with racing stripes because that was kind of irrelevant and they're happy with what they have. So anyway, exactly. <laughs> yeah, MVP, yeah, figuring out the MVP is the biggest thing that you can ever do. And then building around the MVP and 
that's everything. <laughs> yeah. How do you find developers? Is it just a matter of Googling or how do you narrow it down to the the type of person that's right for you? To be honest, for me, it was some trial and error because I didn't come from that world. I got lucky in the very beginning. All those coffees and LinkedIn stocking paid off to get me in touch with some people who did some really good work for me. But what happened was I didn't really understand the technology well enough to say, you know, what we're building right now isn't built for the scale that I am looking for long term. That meant that. A couple years in, I had to go back and build a a version two that would be able to tolerate the number of people using it and the longevity, the future of what we wanted Barn Manager to be um, that we're working towards every day. Now, transforming that that skateboard into a Ferrari. I was just going to say that's your analogy. (laughs) A lot of it does have to do with budget. There's people that will work at you know all ranges of the spectrum with budget, but you do get at what you pay for a lot of the time. Finding somebody that's a good communicator that has really good references and has experience that's relevant to your project. I always really like developers that take time to do a lot of education for themselves. So like my primary developer now, in between every project that he signs up for, he takes a month off to just uh, learn what's new, what's out there to improve his skills I think that's really important when it comes to good developers is that they're not just kind of stuck doing the same thing over and over again, that they're actually looking for better ways to do what they and do. And saying kind of relevant of whatever the new like cool code, right. like like how no code is like a really big app thing right now where you don't need to have like any sort of development skills. But with my developing story, I just assumed I first had like friends do it and I was like, oh, hey, this is going to be cute. We're going to have this thing. It's going to be us. And then I realized that friends have other things to do. And I'm like, excuse me. You're not putting me first? (laughs) I'm like, Stephanie's soccer game can wait. I need a (laughs) nap. And so once I realized that kind of episode, and then I started interviewing big companies. And then I really fell in love with my company, which is a local Columbus company, Big Kitty. And they are so sweet to the point where they, uh, when I met with them, they're like, I don't know anything about racehorses and all this. And I was like, oh, let me tell you. And then it was really nice because like for my second meeting with Tushar, which is the owner of that company, he came in with his racehorse knowledge. And I was like, oh, guys, like what you were saying, Nicole, with your guy, where it's just that like, they put the effort in to like learning it and not just being like, oh, here's your code. They did like robotic about it. They actually kind of fall in love with the product and the solution and the, the, pro- the problem as well. And so, but it is hard to find the good developers like that. It, that is really hard to find because it seems like everyone wants to be a developer, but not everyone has the skill set that you're actually looking for. Am I allowed to say that? Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Okay. I was like, that's like my real talk where it's just, and you want to, I recommend hiring a company and hiring out for it just in the sense of, cause you're going to have the issues like what I did in the beginning where Stephanie was on her traveling soccer team and like I was competing versus a seven-year-old girl to get attention from this the guy that, developed, that did code. And, mm-hmm. but it also helped that I came from a technical background as well. I was Cisco certified in like engineering and stuff like that. So I knew the right people to like ask when I first started like trying to interview developers where I'm like, who would you recommend? Uh, mm-hmm. And then it, for, it finally got to where I ended up with Big Kitty Labs. So I recommend okay, cool. fishing for people that have already 
we've been in the industry and already give recommendations. And so now, like I said before, there's lots of new apps popping up. There's technology that is really making inroads into the equestrian industry that I think had been hesitant to adopt a lot of these things. They're becoming more popular. Nicole, do you see any trends in technology that are helpful to the equestrian industry? Like, Are there things that the equestrian industry should be using that isn't there yet? I think that there's so much out there that it can be overwhelming. And the reason that like barn manager exists is because some of what's out there that's really good for small and medium sized businesses just doesn't quite fit this industry. So a lot of like what I see is geared towards small and, small and medium sized businesses. I, the one tool that I think like every barn should have, and it's a no brainer is Slack. It's, the best communication tool out there. We have every size company from two or three people that are working on building an app together to massive enterprises use it. And it's fantastic. You can have private messages, you can have global messages. There's just like endless things you can do with it. Um, it's just organized as well. Like, you know, you can search for it as well. It's nice. Every mm-hmm. single company or organization that I consult with, I end up eventually getting them on Slack. It's usually (laughs) to pull a little bit of teeth. But yeah, that's the one that to me is like a no-brainer. I think for everything else, it's you really have to know like what problems you're trying to solve because Mm -hmm. adding tools is not always a positive. In fact, like having three different places that you log in for different things is going to be a big negative. As far as actual apps like being created focused on the horse industry... I see a lot of exciting things out there, especially some things that are sort of taking advantage of some of the models that you see, like with rideshare apps, with matching apps, stuff like that, and taking the smart parts of those business models and and applying them in a clever way to the horse industry. So I'm really excited to see where some of those go. From the scientific side, I think there's going to be a lot of interesting data collection devices that people get a little bit uncomfortable with it. But at the end of the day, it's going to help empower people to make better decisions for their horses. So I'm. it's still early stages because we're always a good 10 to 15 years behind the rest of the world here in, in the um, equine industry. But I'm definitely excited by what I'm seeing and, and what I'm hearing from people. Yeah. Nicole, you, said just, you just said exactly what I was going to say. Like, cause I'm, oh, like, good. I, I, and I'm like legitimately <laughs> where I was like, I was all ready to be like talking my little data, like soapbox because I love data collecting and I love, you know, the information you get from it. And I, I yeah, no, I guess I'm done. So there. <laughs> so, can we also hashtag Chelsea at the end of whatever Nicole says? Yes. <laughs> <Okay>. yes. Chelsea <laughs> says, yeah, me too. I ready for you to not have the same speech and I was like wow you can tell we're actually this we are we're on the same page (laughs) (laughs) when you guys were building your apps did you have somebody that gave you some good advice like what's the best advice you received when you're building it when you started so my I have advice that has come from building this app so the thing is don't take somebody's I don't get it as a deal breaker for you. Don't say, if somebody's like, no, 
they're like, what do you try to do? If some, if you, one person says that, or 12 people say that to you, don't make that stop your dream. That is your dream. You need to figure out how to still execute your dream because just because those people don't understand that this is just my startup mentality. And cause I bet Nicole probably has the same. Cause you probably brought people that were not horse people on. They're like, wait, what are you doing? Like that kind of stuff. And it's like, no, it's, this is what the issue is. And I, yeah. So don't let those people, that's, that was the best advice that I ever was given. And also don't let too many cooks into the kitchen. So, because by the time you have your 40 people that you seek out mentor advice for them, they're already filling up your kitchen and you won't have a way to get to your oven. So <laughs> great. that's mine. Yeah. For me, I, this wasn't actually like early advice. So I, I have to say, I kind of, my naivete, naivete kind of benefited me in the beginning. I came from a family of like entrepreneurs and family business. So starting something, it seemed not like I didn't realize that that was a big deal. (laughs) (laughs) That's just what you do. Yeah. It was hard. (laughs) My heart breaks for you, Nicole. (laughs) It was hard. It was hard. And I knew that like the way that you power through that is that you pour everything you have and you work your butt off. Like I knew all of that. That was something I grew up and saw like at the kitchen table. That was a no brainer, but it wasn't like, Oh, it's so weird that you're going to go and start something new. Of course you're going to start yeah. something new, but you have such a different view of this. That's so funny. <laughs> Cause it's like, I, like my mom's a special ed teacher and my dad's an architect. So I'm like, I don't have yeah, I don't, I, mean, I don't, I don't have that at all. That's so interesting. I joke with people now because I, it took me a while to realize that too. That was like a, a unique thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're, um, kind of, you're coming from a different stepping stone, which yeah. is awesome. like I am very. I'm a little jealous. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm jealous of the people who had the foresight when they were undergrads to go and get an engineering degree because that was like, I didn't know. I, I was like, oh, I'm just going to take classes that are interesting to me and I'll find my way. Like, <laughs> And eventually yeah. your major will get circled into this and you're like, oh, okay. I guess it's yeah, okay now. <laughs> totally. I think as far as advice goes, I think when I did go back to get my MBA and I was like really focused on my career and on making bar manager a success, there's a lot of things that you can get caught up in. Like, oh, I have to grow this fast and I have to raise money through conventional channels and I have to do X, Y, and Z. And I was lucky enough to be part of two different accelerators while I was at Babson getting my MBA. And I had this one really awesome advisor that did a lot of... He worked with a lot of young tech companies. And one day he was like really pushing me on some of my ideas and pushing back. And he didn't know the horse industry, but he knew product development. And I burst into tears. And he was like, tell me what you're feeling. And I was like, I just, I thought I knew what I was doing and I have no idea what I like. I, I feel like now I have no idea. Yeah. And he looked at me and he was said, you are the expert on your, your idea. You're the expert on your domain. You've got to believe in yourself and trust your instincts. And the fact that you're so emotional and passionate about me like pushing back and maybe telling you that you're wrong when you know that you're not, that tells me I, I now believe you. 
Mm-hmm. And he just kind of said, like, nobody knows what they're doing. Nobody has a, a mapped out way to get to from here to startup genius. But the people who know what they want to do, they know the problem they want to solve, and they know it as well and as passionately as you do. Stick to that. Believe in it. Believe in yourself. And, and just keep fighting for it. And it's going to work out eventually. You're going to make mistakes Things aren't going to go the way that you planned. But as long as you keep listening to the people that are using your app and giving you good feedback and trusting your gut and believing that that you are capable of building this, that's the secret. <laughs> I took that to basically realize that like, as I looked around me, like nobody knows... I, okay. I shouldn't say nobody knows what they're doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nobody is born an expert on anything. Nobody... No. Yeah. The baby's um, not born and being like, I'm going to go to the moon today. No. Right. Right. <laughs> and taking the time and the energy and investing in yourself and in something that you believe in is never going to fail. So that was kind of the... It, of course, it had to involve tears, but that was definitely the best. <laughs> that's startup world, baby. That's startup world. We, <laughs> if you're not waking up in the middle of the night and sweat and tears uh-huh. and you don't know why, you're not doing it right. That's what I said. <laughs> so if you're not crying in the shower with your shower beard, then you are not doing it right. <laughs> <laughs> So, I not to control this show, ladies. I apologize. I don't. I don't. No it's not a show. It's all um, about the conversation. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, Nicole, how did you with feedback? Because I know that was a key thing that you just had. And how did you weed out good feedback to bad feedback? Because I feel like in the, our world is. You have a lot of people that think that they like, as you said, no one really has any idea what they're doing, and we're. Not, kind of having to create a new wheel, but not create a new wheel. I have no idea how to say that, <laughs> but like figuring out, cause that was my issue in my first app is I was just taking feedback from anybody. And it was like, mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. You, yeah. You're a startup guru. Okay. You got Sure. And then yeah. now I kind of wish like, I was kind of like in the, what I said before, where you get to have too many cooks in the kitchen and then totally. you don't have access to your oven. So yeah, I think there's an instinctual part of it where like, Nobody knows what you're trying to do as much as you do. And as long as you don't confuse that with like you being the only user of the application and and you being the expert on what you're what you're trying to accomplish, like your instincts are going to guide you. They're not yes, you'll make mistakes, but they are going to kind of tell you when there's a big red flag. The other thing for me, now that we have like a scale and we have a lot of users and we're getting feedback all the time, I always look at something that somebody says and there's kind of two big questions. How many people is this going to help? And how difficult is it to build? And that's well, how expensive we, is this going to be as well? Right. Yeah. right, right. Let's, let's be honest. How, how expensive is Translation, how difficult is it means it's going to be more expensive. Being a startup, I, I still consider myself a startup because we're limited resources, small team, and we have to be creative with how we use them. I always say like, how can we help the most people with using up the least amount of resources? And sometimes you have to stop and say, you know what? This person had a really good idea that maybe nobody else has requested, but this idea is going to have impact for a lot of people. And that's where the instincts come into play with the like one-offs that are like one person says like, you need to change this and this is um, what you need to add. This takes practice, but like learning to really listen to what they're saying underneath the actual words. So like 
somebody telling me that I need to build something, what they're really trying to tell me is that they're trying to accomplish something and they don't see a way to accomplish it with what we already have. And if I can get to the bottom of what it is they're trying to accomplish, I can either say, oh, you can actually already do that. Here's how you can do it. Or I can say, you know what? There really isn't a good way to do that. But I think we're going to take a little bit of of a different approach to solving it that'll help more people. So that's my, that's how I look at it. I don't know that's like a, (laughs) I don't know that's the right way, but it's served us pretty well in that like we've never built anything that like nobody used or that like only one person used. So that's my sort of guiding principles. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. exactly. So thank you for letting me interrupt the show and give my own little questions and be a part. Yeah, I love it. (laughs) So now we go on to... The same three questions we ask every guest at the end of the show are rapid fire questions. So I think Connor has the first one. What is one action that women can take to make a big difference in their lives? Find something that you can do that allows you to clear your head. For me, I know there's literally two things that I can literally not think while I'm doing them. I can just be in the moment and be present. And that's riding a horse or doing some kind of like cardio, like I have a Peloton bike that I love. And I think that time is so healing and so healthy and important. No, I agree completely. You have to have something outside of whatever you do. That's not what you do. Like you have to kind of have like a polar opposite thing that you do. So like I live in a 200 year old like farmhouse and I have a pre-Civil War barn that I'm remodeling myself. I find a lot of stress. I find a lot of fun and demo. You can't carry your cell phone when you're carrying around a sledgehammer. So that also is kind of a, it takes you away, kind of disconnects you as well. And then, oh man, just being with the horses is just everything for me. Like I love being, like being with Emerson and I just groom them and nonstop. And like, mm-hmm. and I set times where I'm like, okay, I need to, you kind of have to schedule your breaks. What do you agree, Nicole? Or that like break mm-hmm. where Absolutely. I, need to, I need to step away. Cause, <laughs> Cause I feel like, in our lives, like with Nicole and I, it's like, we're constantly this. Well, I guess anyone is. And then you need to be able to be like, I have it scheduled to be like, all right, turn off computer so that I can go be with Emerson and go be with, be at my barn and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. I also, I make it, I don't, I do not have my phone on me when I'm doing either of those two activities when I'm it's- either... If I'm like out for a run, I'll have my phone to listen to something. But if I'm on the Peloton or I'm on a horse, my phone is somewhere that I can't look at it. Mm-hmm. Chelsea, what is the best habit that keeps you motivated? I have this very strange habit that I go test drive very expensive cars. <laughs> um, so I I, I've never ride. heard that one before. I got the champagne taste with the beer budget right now. So I just took out a Maserati. And, really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> So actually, this is like one of those things that my ex would always be like, why are you doing this? And like, I would go to houses that are like multi-million dollar houses and do showings and stuff. So I could be like, because I, that in my world, that keeps me hungry. That Mm. I'm not going to stop until I have that Maserati. I'm not going to stop (laughs) until I am driving my McLaren down 70. I... (laughs) I am hungry and that is my motivation. <laughs> so <laughs> that's great. Yep. Awesome. If that keeps you motivated. That's awesome. Yep. I don't 
I Plus, it's really fun, right? It is really fun. Or another good motivation is look how much student loans you owe, and then that will <laughs> also get, get you back to work. So, yep. <laughs> so Nicole, what, what keeps you motivated? I don't, I, I don't think I can follow that one. I'm sorry. <laughs> If you are stressed, go to the Tesla dealership, go get yourself a Maserati, go get yourself a McLaren, or I really like the new, what is it, the Ford Mustang, like Mach 3, that car is hot, uh-oh, <laughs> and just go. See how fast you could get that girl to go, and <laughs> be prepared to talk to a cop and just be like, it's fine. <laughs> You know, Uh-oh. my answer is so boring because basically, like, if I find myself getting like complacent or bored, which I guess is unmotivated, I I decide I need to either add something or subtract something. Like, am I complacent bored because I have too much to do and I can't do anything? Or am I complacent or bored because I'm just not like nothing that I'm doing is exciting me? And that like I, I me- recommend. <laughs> You can add a Maserati, Nicole. I wasn't thinking much too small in terms of what I'm adding, apparently. I actually am also a cancer survivor. And I like that you think big and you go out there and do what you want to do because life is too short. And Oh, it is. It is. I, I think you that's what have to. Next time, that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to go and, and drive a car that I will never be able to afford. Now, I'm okay even if I get to the point that I can afford it, I probably won't spend it on a car. So yeah, <laughs> I'm just going to go test drive it. Yeah, you nice. should do it. I highly recommend. So do after this, go on Google and do import cars near me. And I highly <laughs> recommend showing up looking like you're kind of homeless so that they're kind of confused. <laughs> 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 but, uh, let's face it, ladies. I already have the dreads. So people already assume that I've been following fish a little too long. So... <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> um, all right, guys. Nicole, what's your favorite horse movie? Ah, uh, something to talk about. Oh, um, that's a good. That's one. good. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Chelsea? What's you your favorite? A, can we do the Horse Whisperer with Robert Redford? That's a good one. Yeah. Only yeah. because like, he's just a he's yep. a heartthrob. <laughs> um, but then my other oh. one that I always makes me cry would be Secretariat. I can't do watch Secretariat without crying. I'm that person. Yeah. So totally great. Cool. Thanks so much for the fun conversation today, guys. We really loved hearing about you and your businesses. And and I think it'll really help those that might want to take the plunge with an idea that they have as well to start and bring something new to the industry. Yeah. And, if, and anyone can always reach out to like probably me and Nicole and we could definitely coach any of the female saves and power babes. And yeah, always. Yeah, so just and we could probably steer them all in the right direction, so they don't make the thousands of dollars mistakes that probably Nicole and I both have made. And... Awesome! Thank you, thanks, so much. guys, so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, oh, this is fun. <laughs> <laughs> I, I gotta go test drive a car now. I'll see you later. Okay, bye. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> Today was such a fun conversation. It really was. We had really fun people. I've known Nicole for years and years, and she was a speaker at the EQBW Summit in 2019. And she was so great on our panel. I knew she would be 
awesome for a podcast too, but I've never met Chelsea and she is very entertaining. I really love her. She's Um, super creative and really fun. And actually I met her through Equestrian Business Women also because she had reached, yeah, she had reached out looking for somebody who was in the racehorse world that could help her with her rundown app. And Uh, it was like through networking that I think somebody, you probably forwarded me her information and then I connected with her. I totally remember that now. Yeah. And so she and I have been talking for like, oh, oh, like a year and a half. Like it was right after COVID hit that she had reached out. And then we've been going back and forth since then about like app ideas and working on her rundown app and this down the road app she's been talking to me about and and bouncing ideas off of me. So yeah, I like I've known her for a while and she is, she's hilarious. Like she just makes me laugh all the time. (laughs) Yep. I love it. And they both had such good insight into what it takes to develop an app. But I think that same insight applies to developing any business. Maybe there's some specifics on what you look for in a developer, but outside of that, like it was really general advice that can be applied to anything you do. Yeah. And I really liked when Nicole was talking about like, she's not a super creative person, but she was still able to accomplish what she's accomplished with her app by being able to know what she doesn't like. Yeah. I think that's important to be able to point out this doesn't work for me or, and her point about like knowing what you're not good at and relying on people who are good at it. That's just another way of building your team and being able to outsource the things that you can't or don't want to do. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. You don't know what you don't know, but it's good to be able to recognize that and then find the people who can. Mm-hmm. Chelsea, I, I loved going to drive the car. <laughs> like that just- <laughs> Best answer ever. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, mean, I was so unexpected. Like, I don't even know. <laughs> I never, ever would have thought somebody would say that, but it was perfect. And it just yeah. fit. Yep. Yep. And it fits her and I can totally see it happening. Yeah. We're going to need so. her to send us like a selfie the next time she's in one of these amazing cars so that we can... Yeah. Uh, see what it's like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we can put it up on our website. Yeah. <laughs> like put it in our, our stories. Yep. Yeah. Here's Chelsea and her yeah. Maserati. So much fun. I'm always interested in like the apps and building and being creative and that. So, I mean, I really had a great time with those ladies today. Me too. Thanks for doing this with me and see who else we can get for the next time and, and what else we can get in our conversations. They continue to be so much fun for me. Yeah. And learning and meeting new people and building our networks. It's just, it's been, it's really amazing. Yep. Same here. You can find out more at eqbusinesswomen.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Find Equestrian B2B wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to follow, subscribe, and leave a review. You can have all 20 plus shows of the Horse Radio Network with you wherever you go with our free app for iPhone and Android. Go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. Now, go follow your idea. 